Hey, before we get started, I just want to let you guys know that this episode contains talk of domestic violence, um, as well as, um, sexual assault. So if any of those topics would make this a hard listen for you, go ahead and skip this episode and I'll see you in the next one. Thanks. Hey guys, Princess here and welcome to another episode of Buy Pumpkin. Um, I'm recording this late because I've had a lot of things to do. I'm trying not to work on the weekends, right? So I'm trying to work on, uh, sorry, I threw that away, um, on Saturdays and Sundays. And so that means that I'm trying to record the main feed episode on, on Friday nights, but on Friday nights, I'm fucking tired. And I also just got through this freeze here in Austin. Um, I did pretty well. So the, the freeze everyone's talking about that happened in Texas, uh, that like knocked everybody's power out and did all, that was 2021. And what happened was that because of the demands on the grid, which is fucked up, the electric grid that covers most of Texas, um, some parts of Texas, uh, I believe the panhandle, which is up there by Oklahoma. And I heard some parts of Houston, I could be wrong about that are not on the Texas grid because Texas grid sucks. So what happened is that the Texas grid was overheating and the whole fucking state was going to be out of electricity. So they started rolling blackouts throughout the state. That is the freeze of 2021. Now, sure, lots of people lost power because of the, of the storm, but other people lost power because the electricity company turned it off. Uh, say, and, or I had rolling blackouts like they did at my house. It, it was off for 45, one for 15 for a couple of days. So this freeze has nothing that is not the same. Like no one turned our electricity off. If your electricity got, if your electricity was off, it was because of the storm. And fortunately I didn't lose any power. Everybody on my team at work did though. Cause we were all working from home. The kids were at home and my mom was like, you should have just said, as soon as they were like, oh, my power's out. You should have said, oh, mine too. And that's what my... I'm like, the kids can hear you advocating for lying. She's like, oh, sorry, never lie. <laughs> Unless you need to. It's so good. <laughs> Again, my mother does what the fuck she wants. <laughs> she don't follow no rules. She doesn't follow parking signs. She don't follow, fo- uh, follow directional signs. She doesn't follow fine print. My mom just does the fuck she wants and... People deal. That's, that's, that's it. But thank God for it because without it, I wouldn't have so much childhood trauma and then I wouldn't be funny. So (laughs) there you go. Imagine if I just had this, like this nice life where everything worked out and you know, I just trusted every person in my life and I just, I just was like walking around like everything seems fine. Man, I'd be boring. Anyway, (laughs) so so I had to get through that. I had the kids were home all week and, you know, there's always a threat. I mean, it's a storm. Um, but I didn't, but I don't live in Austin proper and I don't have Austin energy. So, so I didn't have to worry about that this time. Um, by the way, the freeze that was happening, it was like 25 degrees at night. And I do realize that is below freezing. I do believe that. I do realize that. It's just that, like, it's not, I don't know, you know, infrastructure, all that shit. 
So, you know, I just had a lot of stuff to do. And then, you know, today I took Turtle to get a haircut. Um, Mr. Curtis is always upset about the state of his... Turtle likes to have a little hair at the top of his head. Actually, a lot. He likes to look like a little lamb. And Mr. Curtis is always upset at the state of this hair. And he says that Turtle is not uh, picking it and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, he's not wrong. There's been a couple times I've been like, Turtle, what is that nest on top of your head? But also... Mr. Curtis is half white and, uh, people with two C ringlets should not be, <laughs> I'm just saying it was somebody who has biracial hair. Maybe he just thinks we're all nappy. Maybe that's what's going on. Um, uh, Mr. Curtis is actually growing his hair, which I hate. I don't like, I don't like people with long hair. I'm not attracted to people with long hair. I don't like men with long hair. I don't like women with long hair. I don't like it. And so he's been growing out his hair and it's beginning more and more, you know, ringletly. I've been calling him Shirley Temple around this bitch. Um, and I don't like it. And here he is talk, talking. I was like, don't talk about my hair. Don't, don't commit any hate crimes on me, baby. Um, but he got, Mr. Curtis had cut off some of the hair because it was like, Turtle was not taking care of it. And then, so I need to take him to get a haircut today to finish it up. Um, you know, to get it. And this is the first time our, our barber could see us anyway. So then we went off to Michael's. I am, Valentine's Day is coming up. And I do a little something for my children on Valentine's Day. I uh, put, well, first thing I do is I put uh, cardstock hearts with their names on them on their doors. I do that and then I put each day I add another construction paper heart like after they go to sleep with like something we love about them. So I do that for about a week and before our uh, Valentine's Day so each morning they wake up to something so some sort of compliment or affirmation and on on Valentine's Day I usually make them a little like basket. So I had to go to Michael's and I had to go I already been to Target and Dollar Tree. But I had to go to Michael's to get a couple of things today. And that's what I was... So, you know, I did that. I told Turtle he don't see nothing. He's good at keeping secrets. Bunny, not so much. Bear Bear, not at all. Uh, monkey, never. Never, never, never. Um, cheeks, it depends. But Turtle can keep a secret. And so, um, you know, it was just, you know, hanging out. And then um, we went to Cheesecake Factory because he was like, oh, we should get something to eat. And I was like, yeah, we should go to Chipotle. He's like, or Cheesecake Factory. And I was like, what? You got some cheesecake You got some cheesecake factory money? I'm a mom. I do have to say these things, guys. And I was like, ah, let's go. So we went. <laughs> and he ordered the big salad. Turtle loves a salad. <laughs> Um, he actually tried to get the, he got, he got the Cobb salad. He tried to get the vegan Cobb salad, but it, and I was like, listen, turtle, I get it. Okay. <laughs> but I don't know that you've ever eaten beets and let's not do it today on a $15 and 50 cent salad. Okay. Let's just get what you know. You like the egg and the bacon and blah, blah, blah. Like, get that. So he did that. And you know, I have to jump a live pasta as always. Then we had some uh, cheesecake and then we headed back and, you know, I've just been, I've, I've had the itis ever since and I've had a lot of things to do and, 
you know, I got a plan for, so I got Valentine's Day stuff to do. Um, me and Mr. Curtis's anniversary is Monday. So me and Mr. Curtis met the first time we hung out was February 6th. That is a date in which I was bartending the day bar and which means I got off at four o'clock and you know, I had my, I had my regulars around me they're all coming in for happy hour and stuff. And they asked me what I was doing. I said, I'm going to go around the corner. I'm going to go to O's, O'Sullivan's, which is a, a divish bar around the corner. And they were, and a lot of them were like, let's go. And so like, I even drove like two customers and like another waiter, a waiter with me. And Mr. Curtis was at the bar that day. And I didn't really like him. And he, he was fine. He just talked a lot and he didn't tip very well. And I let him know that he needed to tip better if he was trying to get to talk to me. Cause I, I got to serve you. I got to fucking talk to you. And so he did start tipping better, but he was fine, but I didn't really know him. Um, he'd been trying to convince me he was black. I was like, I don't know about that. Okay. If you say so, I mean, why do I care? And, and, uh, you know, we, he, he was just around. And so I take, I taken half the bar with me to another bar down the street. My boss was not happy about that, but I mean, I was leaving and they wanted to go with me. So what do you want from me? So I went to that bar and I was hanging out with like other waiters and and bartenders and regulars and stuff. And Mr. Curtis walked in. And he was like, y'all said uh, we're coming over here. And I was like, I don't remember what y'all said. But yeah, I am over here. And we hung out. And we chilled. I, so a thing I used to like to eat was, um, I don't eat it much anymore. Potato skins, right? You get, you get them at all bars, right? But I like to put blue cheese crumbles on top of it and I like to eat it that way. And so I was starving. I had eaten shit all day. It's now five, six o'clock. So I ordered an order of them and like housed it, like ate it so fucking hard. And I was like, I could do another one of these. And I order another one. And then Mr. Curtis comes and I was, and I guess I was like, oh wait, this is how I must've known. This is, this was the first sign. I was like, oh, I can't, I can't, I can't. This dude can't watch me eat like two fucking whole plates of potato skins by myself. He can't do it. He can't do it. So I decided not to eat it. So that ding, there's a little tinge, but we hung out and you know, it was getting closer to seven. They were like, where, where you go? I was like, I gotta go. And they're like, where are you going? I was like, I've got to go over to the ambush because there's a drag show. It's a gay bar. And I got to go. And, you know, you see my, you see, see the drag. And they were like, well, a lot of people were like, well, let's go. And I was like, okay, let's go. And Mr. Curtis was like, I want to go, but I've never been to a gay bar. What if people hit on me? And I was like, you are not hot enough to be hit on, first of all. And like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, if, if, if like, you're like, that's like an issue. I mean, stay here. <laughs> Bye. And, but he didn't, he went with us and, um, I went outside. He was parked right next to me. We had the exact same fucking car in different colors. And we, I just found out our, our birthdays were a week apart. And yeah, this is the night we hung out. Two weeks later, we were living together. We were, we, we were living together two weeks later. And we were engaged within a couple of months. I mean, what happened is like in February, we were living together and then we were just like, we should just get married. And then in the summer, I was like, wait, you live here? 
with me right here where I live. This is all your stuff. Your stuff. Oh, you're. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Okay. You live here. Oof. We're doing this. Uh, and I put him out. <laughs> and he's back. So anyway, and what happened? So this is, this is like right before our birthdays. And, you know, it's back and forth. We end up getting back together. Yada, 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 yada. Lots of stuff in that yada, yada, yada. We end up getting married by December. So we met in February. We were married by December. Um, so I know a lot of people were under the impression that we got met. We met and we got married two weeks later. That's not what happened. We got, we met and we were just like, let's be together. And then I was like, I don't know about all that. I know I said we was going to be together, but I don't know, man. And lots of stuff happened. And so we were, so our, our wedding anniversary is December 27th, but the anniversary of like the first time we ever hung out is February 6th. So we always hang out on that day. <laughs> And, um, it's Monday this year. So we decided tomorrow on Sunday, we're just going to chill and we're going to hang out. We're going to go buy matching outfits. <laughs> That's a Mr. Curtis thing. I hate being in matching outfits. I feel like you look crazy. My mom and my dad wear matching outfits all the fucking time. They coordinate all the time. We're going to buy matching outfits and matching Jordans and we're going to hang out and we're going to go to a steakhouse and we're going to just basically kids will do what they do and now they'll be fine and just kind of have an afternoon date together tomorrow um whenever I talk about how I treat my kids during Valentine's Day people often ask me they want they ask me why and two they ask me do I do the same thing for my husband so I'll answer the second question first no my husband doesn't believe in Valentine's Day and we don't really celebrate it because our anniversary is the 6th of February. And so there's no, like, we'll do something nice for each other on the 6th and there's no point in a week later doing Valentine's Day stuff. Also, I don't want to be out on Valentine's Day. I used to have to work Valentine's Day. It's bullshit. And when we first got together, um, when we first got together, I was still bartending and he was working at, um, as a machinist and... This is the reason we don't wear wedding rings because we just never start it. We have them, we just never start it. So, um, and so now it feels foreign to do so. Um, so, but the, but the answer to the first question, which is why I do this, is because I think that we get real binary with Valentine's Day, right? We get real like either you're in a relationship and you need to celebrate Valentine's Day or you're not. Valentine's Day, first of all, is made up, but second of all, is fun to just celebrate love and the people you love. And growing up, my mother's and father's anniversary is, is February 17th. And on Valentine's Day and on their anniversary, my parents would give me like candy and flowers. Like I'd wake up to there being flowers on my, on my nightstand. And when my dad bought my mother a bouquet of flowers, he'd always take some out and put it like near me. And... It always made me feel nice. And so like, if Valentine's Day is a, 
Well, what I what I'd say to this is that we get to make of things what we want them to be, right? If Christmas is hard for you, you can fashion Christmas into whatever the fuck you want so that's not hard for you. And for many years, I didn't celebrate Christmas. I didn't fucking be thinking about Christmas. I was freelancing. I didn't think about shit like that. I would just be like, why why is Chipotle not open? I'm like, fuck, is it Christmas? Because I really, I was, I really lived a very like life unmoored from everything else. And after having kids is when I started really doing And I try to do things that make it fun for us. I don't have to do shit. You know what I mean? And the same thing for Valentine's Day. If Valentine's Day, if the way you usually spend Valentine's Day is not fun for you, figure something else out. But for my kids, I want to pour love into them. I want them to to know that they are loved and to celebrate love and platonic love and parental love and sibling, like love. There's a lot of fucking love in this world. And we focus a lot on romantic love, but like, man, that's probably not even the best love. <laughs> like it, The love you feel for somebody you've been friends with for fucking 30 years, that's, that's pretty fucking good love, you know? And so let's celebrate that shit. Let's bring back getting a little token of something for your best girlfriend and for your kid. And let's bring that shit back. I also do it because I want to set the bar high for my fucking kids. I want my kids, I want when your dusty sons and daughters come trying to talk to my amazing kids that the bar is set fucking high. You want to, you got a long way to go to get with them. And because their mom would give them Valentine's and make little things and say nice things to them. They got, they're used to living in a world where people positively talk to them, right? You negging them is not, doesn't feel like something they have to chase because they're so used to being in something else. It doesn't look familiar to them. It doesn't feel like something like they have to prove themselves. I want my kids to be like, to like have good standards and that, and to know that people that care about you do things for you. People who care about you show up. And I know, and, and they can say, I know that because at the very base level, my parents showed up for me. That's what my parents did for each other. That's what they did for me. People who love you speak nicely to you. I I always tell my kids, we're going to talk to each other like we love each other. Now, does it always, do we always live up to that? No, but that's what we're going for. We're going to talk to each other like, like we love each other. And so when they get out in this world and your dusty ass kids are like, hey, I'm going to say I like you and then not call you for three days. That is, they're like, I don't know. That doesn't work for me. That's what I want from them. And I want to celebrate them. And so uh, I went out and got a bunch of stuff. Like I probably spent total a hundred bucks. I don't think that's too much um, for, I got five kids and I'm making little baskets and there's just lots of little candy in there. And we kind of like in our house, we have these candy buckets that are really Halloween totes that they put their Halloween candy in and then at Christmas they get candy. So they put that in there and then hollow February Valentine's day to get candy. Although I don't think they're going to do candy at school this year. I don't think they're, they're at that new charter school. So the charter school, I don't think is doing Valentine's day. Um, they're very worried about people being left out. And I'm like, it's so easy for people not to be left out. It's so fucking easy, but okay, whatever. Um, 
And so throughout the year, there's always some like Easter, they'll have more candy. There's always candy there. So like what happens is after dinner, you might get two pieces. You'll get two pieces of candy out of your bucket. So all this candy is going to go to them. And I just got some little things and, um, all, all my kids really like balloons. So I'm going to go to Dollar Tree that day. Dollar, the balloons are like a dollar twenty-five fifty cents. It depends on which balloons. And I'm going to get everybody a little cluster of balloons. And, and when they come home from school, they'll have a little bucket of stuff. Um, little pencils and squishies and candies and, and I'm putting like body spray and turtles. Cause he likes to smell like a grown man. <laughs> my husband gave him old spice for Christmas and he thinks he's like, I don't know. <laughs> He's 12. <laughs> and like just something. It's an easy tradition, guys. Even if you just do the decorating their their um, bedroom doors and putting a new on a new heart up every day about wh- what you love about them. That's such an easy thing. It teaches them that people are so this is the way people are supposed to speak to you. And it teaches them to speak to other people that way. Anyway, so that's what I was doing. And then I came in here. So it's late. And then Mr. Curtis is acting like he didn't want to get out the office. Because I don't know. I don't. He he legit thinks he can just sit in the office while I record a podcast. One, he says he likes to listen to me. He doesn't listen to the podcast. So you must not like listening to me that much. And two, you think I can sit around here talking about how dogs are trying to assassinate me. And how I don't trust Jello. You think I can do that while somebody's sitting in here? The only way I'm able to record this podcast is because I come in here in the fucking dark and I treat it as if no one will ever hear this shit ever. That's the way I talk on this podcast. If you, if there was someone actually here, I'd be like, I can't say that. That's, no one who's there at princess. Stop princess. That's, that's, I can't do it while he's in here. By the way, I actually don't remember where I talked about this. I, it, it had to be on the bonus episode. Guys, I have a Patreon. It's at patreon.com backslash by pumpkin. And this week I did an episode on Roseanne. It was a sponsored episode and I had a really great time. Um, the week before that I did an episode on sex, drugs, and the college cults that, that, uh, documentary on, I think it was Peacock. And you know, there's another one coming out on Hulu. I might do that one too. It's the same, but it's like interviews with the actual, kids that were involved in it so that that seems fun I might just do like a little update on that but I don't remember what episode I was talking about but I was talking about how Stella my little white dog I have a little black and white dog named Dottie who is older and then I have Stella who's younger and they came together uh from like a hoarder house they had like 40 fucking dogs in there and the state let them keep 11 I was like the count the county let them keep 11 I was like you can keep a fucking 11 dogs that's a lot of fucking dogs there's like eight or 11 and Dottie reminds me so much of my older dog, Mama, that died in 2016 because uh, she knew Trump was about to get elected and she was like, fuck this shit. Dottie reminds me so much of her. They're both Shih Tzu mixes. They're both like black and white. Um, she reminds me so much of her. She's like a reincarnate, such a sweetie pie. Uh, during this free, she would not go outside. She was like, "If you bitch, if you wanted a husky, husky you should have gotten a husky. It's cold. We had to we had to carry her and take her outside and take her far away from enough from the house that it just made more sense for her to pee than to run back in the house. Um, sweetie pie, Stella, the white one, terrorist, domestic fucking terrorist. Uh, listen, she is more likely to do stuff. 
When it's time to get up and go outside, Stella gets up and goes outside. But she also escapes all the time. She also is more likely to chew the fuck out of something. Of course, she's only, she was a year, about a yearish when I got her. And Dottie was six. Okay. So there's a difference. Although the shelter didn't really know that. They were just like, uh, seems like they're the same age. And I'm like, okay. And then they're like, actually, uh, Dottie's six. And in that vet appointment, you should have seen Dottie look at me like, oh no. She knows. <laughs> I'm old as shit. <laughs> but here's the thing. I love an old dog. I love a fucking old dog. You guys, we sh- I, Dottie was a dog I was looking for. And I love an older dog. Guys, adopt older dogs. Um, I Stella came with her. And I think what was going on is that they were using Stella to be, because a lot of people are interested in Stella. She's a little malt. She looks like a Maltese. And, you know, everyone's like, oh, I want that, that dog and this is, and they'd be like, oh, well, if you take her, you gotta take Dottie. And a lot of people were like, I don't want Dottie because she looks like an old lady. And I was like, hmm, who's that old lady in the back? So anyway, Stella terrorizing. Yesterday, two days ago, during the freeze, now keep in mind during the freeze, I don't know if the lights are going to go off at any moment. I tell the kids that all the time. I'm like, please eat a hot breakfast. I don't know if there'll be a hot lunch or a hot dinner for you this, this evening. Please take your showers early. I don't know what's going to happen. So it's late. I'm like, I'm going to go lay down. I got a new book. By the way, oh, let me tell you guys. If you ask me about, if you're always asking me about what I'm reading and the books that I'm reading, because I know I've been talking about codependency. I talk about boundaries. I talk about kids stuff. I talk about um, mindset type shit. Even the fiction I'm reading. Right now I'm reading The School for Good Mothers. Girl, it is scary as fuck scary anyway so um i made a thread on twitter i'm at okay then princess on twitter it's like okay then because that's how people talk to me they'll be like okay then princess because i'll just be talk talk talking and they'll be like okay then princess okay okay then okay then so so um i'm okay then princess on twitter and i have a thread of just books i've read i've got all of the the polygamous books I was reading, and I just have screenshots of them. Most of them are audiobooks that are on there. I still haven't gotten to like the ebooks that I've read recently. And I think I may have tweeted about the School for Good Mothers because it came the other day and I started reading. I was hyped to start reading it. Um, fun fact about me I often read print books or ebooks while listening to an audiobook. And that drives people crazy. I don't know why. I'm not asking you to do it. I just like doing it. I listen to audiobooks while I am playing video games. I listen to podcasts and I will be in the tub listening to podcasts, also reading a book. Um, it's not hard for me. I don't know why. It's just not. And it actually makes it easier for me. I read faster that way. Um, I'm not sure uh, why. I used to also read and walk a lot. Um, I would just be walking down the street reading. My mother would drive past me screaming at me. Stop. You're going to get hit by a car while she's swerving the car, almost hitting me. Um, <laughs> fell into a hole one time. <laughs> but I just, I, the, the walk was long to the library and it was just so much easier for me to just like read on the way. Um, so like I read in very strange places. Uh, why am I talking about that? I don't remember. Oh, I was going to go read. I was going to, cause I had been reading this, um, there, it's a, it's a New York Times bestseller. Um, so it's not unknown, but I just found them. There are these three novels. Uh, they're like 
a prequel to Wonder Woman. They're like when Diana was young and she's on the name of that island that I will never be able to pronounce a day in my life. So it's like three YA novels. And I found them. I really like them. Um, Bunny can't read them yet, although she loves Wonder Woman. And so I was like, let me read. So I was like hyped to get in my cozy bed. My bed is like a fucking hotel bed, guys. My comforter, like like my, my duvet, all that shit. It's like heavy and like my, you can get some fucking sleep in my bed. So I'm like, I'm going to get in my bed. I'm going to read some more of this Diana book. I'm going to like chill. I'm, I also like to read with the TV on. Some of my happiest moments as a kid was like me in my bed, all fucking cozy, a little cup of Kool-Aid right next to me, maybe some snacks, my book, <laughs> whatever book I was reading. Um, I'm picturing myself in my romance novel phase where I was just reading. I was like killing those Harlequin novels. Like, girl, I was like two, three, and four of them a day. And so in the summers, I was reading those. And then I always have the TV on. I have the TV on something. So, and my parents would hate that too. They'd be like, are you going to read? Are you going to watch TV? I'm like, I'm doing both. I'm I'm literally doing both. I can quote this episode of Golden Girls, Let Me Be. You know, Hey Dude only had like two seasons, right? It didn't, it had almost no seasons. Hey Dude had almost, like Nickelodeon would like, like make a show and then play that shit forever. I think Salute Your Shorts had a season and a half that they play over and over and over again. And so like, yeah, I can quote this shit from memory. Let me be. So that night I was like, I'm about to get on my kid shit. You know, my happiest moments of my fucking childhood, my adolescence. I'm going to get my book going. I'm going to get a good show on it there. I'm going to have snacks over here. I don't drink Kool-Aid anymore. But, you know, I do drink these H-E-B sparkling waters, which uh, are just as bad as Kool-Aid. They're good if you're trying to wean yourself off of soda. So I didn't drink soda for a long time. I'd stopped drinking soda. And then Mr. Curtis started buying it again. And I don't know, within three weeks, I was like fucking smashing soda all the time. So I have to get back. I I got back on those waters to kind of wean myself off of soda. The reason they're good is because they're sweetened. And they have bubbles and, but they're clear. So they're easier to drink. They don't have any dyes and shit in them, but you can start drinking those and kind of wean yourself down to getting to flat water or you can go unsweetened with bubbles and then down to flat water. It's up to you. So give me a couple of those. I got these target pecan caramel clusters. I'm about to smash. And I was like, Ooh, can't wait. Can't wait. Can't wait. Get cozy. All right. I get in there. Stella has thrown up on my bed. I don't know why. I don't know what. But it was her, okay? She threw up on my fucking bed. I know it was her. She lo- She's the one that throws up sometimes. Because she's always in somebody's fucking business. Dottie's never anywhere. So she's thrown up. I-, I know it's orange. That's what I know. I'm like, fuck Stella. And now I'm not a person that, le- like, in my head, I'm not a person that wants dogs in my bed, Right? I don't even like you to sit on your out, with your outside clothes on my fucking bed, okay? My bed is a sanctuary, okay? People wish they could get in this bed. But I knew Dottie and Stella, when they got here, had been sleeping in their foster mom's bed for quite a while. And they just, guys, they like to be in there. And so I let them. So how do I deal with that? 
when they come in, I use these doggy wipes on their paws and, uh, no, no parts. And, um, so I can get as much dirt and bacteria off of them as possible. Um, I, they get bathed regularly and you know, I, if they're dirty or if they're like, if it's wet outside or whatever, I close my bedroom door so they don't go in there and get on my bed. Cause they will just get on my bed and then turn their backs to me. Someone said it was a, like a, like a, an, uh, a show of a sign that they trust me and they, and you know, they feel comfortable with me. I don't know, but they turn their backs and they look out the door onto the, out into the, where my house is set up. My master is near is like off the living room and in the kitchen and the great room floor. So at night, if somebody's walking towards my room, I often hear a little growl because Stella and Dottie don't like it when people are walking through the dark towards my room. So I'm like, fuck. But this is my fault. It's like, I like to keep them with me. I don't know how she got in here. I don't know what she ate. And also, this is what I get for letting fucking dog on my bed. Like, I knew better. I fucking knew better. I've been taught better. I, I should be ashamed. So, I change my duvet cover. I change my sheets. You know, it's a it's a process. You got to unzip it, untie it. You got to do all that shit. It's a king-size bed. It's a fucking duvet cover. The duvet is huge. Um, so, I get it all done. It looks cozy again. I'm like, great. I'm like, That's great. Let me just practice my Spanish, and then I'm going to go to sleep. Because now I'm tired. Girl, why I go in the bathroom, come out, and still threw up on my bed again? A fucking terrorist. A terrorist. And then when I put her in her kennel, because that's where they go when I'm not home. When I'm not home, they have to go in their kennel. It doesn't matter how many people are here. When I'm not home, they have to go in their kennel. When I put her in the kennel, why is she looking at me like, what am I doing here, bitch? I'm like, I don't know what you're doing there. I don't know what the fuck you ate, what kind of poop or snickers you ate, but and why did you keep coming to my bed to throw up? What the fuck is wrong with you? I had to wash. Oh my God, guys. So yeah. Uh, anybody want a little white dog? <laughs> she is tripping. Tripping. This is not how we use our white privilege, uh, Stella. This is not how we use it. Anyway. Guys, I've been talking a while. And I ain't been talking about fucking nothing. <laughs> so, um, this episode is about Laura Govan and um, I will explain who that is. It's season four, episode 17. Ayanla is trying to fix Laura Govan. Um, by the way, we're halfway through our Ayanla series and we only have a few more episodes to go. I have a good idea of what I want to do next. I will let you guys know as we get closer. Um, so we start off with Ayanla. Let me tell you who Ayanla is this time. Okay. Baby is, it's short hair Ayanla, but here's the thing. She's not, she's not completely bald, okay? She's more, she's got her sides and back shaved. She's got a little top that flips over to the side and she kind of like flips over, all right? And uh, she is not, she's not doing her first lady's um, ladies retreat but she's more dressed like, um, your auntie who, um, who don't really take care of her kids, you know, she's just mostly at the club. So, I mean, she does dress pretty well, but she's just always on her way to the club. She, uh, Nini used to dress like this sometimes too. She just, you know, 
I'm on my way to the club. That's what, and, and, but I do have a few kids. I just haven't checked in on them in a while, but I will. Just not right now because I'm on my way to the club. That's how uh, Ayala is dressed. <laughs> she st- starts off with her saying, if you hold on to something that's gone bad, it will begin to stink. And that stench will seep into every aspect of your life and everyone will start to smell it. I'm like, oh, wow. She is really in her bag today. She she gave us a preamble. So let me tell you who Laura Govan is. Okay, Laura Govan used to be on Basketball Wives LA. What is Basketball Wives? Basketball Wives is a little TV show, a franchise that uh, started in Miami and is executively produced by... I'm saying is because I thought the shit was done, but apparently it's coming back. <laughs> um, but uh, by Shawnee O'Neal, who's Shawnee O'Neal? Shawnee O'Neal used to be married to Shaq um, when Shaq was incredibly, you know, Shaq is one of the best ball players of all time. Uh, he played for Orlando, Orlando Magic, got mad at them, and went to to the Lakers. Um, watch his watch his three episode doc on HBO it's go. It's pretty good. I mean, HBO max is pretty good. Um, so she was married to him. He used to cheat on her all the fucking time. And then they ended up getting divorced and she, uh, kind of brought forth this show called basketball wives. And now 90% of the people on there were not wives. Baby, that's not, that's not a requirement. That's just the title. Um, but girlfriends, baby mamas of ball players, right? I did an episode on this on the Patreon. Pretty sure I did an episode on Basketball Wives. And I had no notes. I just fucking talked for fucking two hours about Basketball Wives. Um, Barely talked about Jackie Christie, but somehow I talked about Basketball Wives. Anyway, so it started in Miami. And the Miami franchise kind of dried up. And I'm going to talk more about the Miami franchise when I get to uh, Evelyn Lozada. But... What you should know is that on the first season, now Shawnee's always on the episodes, but she's also the executive producer. I don't, girl, I don't know what that actually means. Like they give vanity executive producer titles all the fucking time. I don't know if she's in fucking producer meetings. I really have no idea. I don't know if they just put that shit and she gets a little extra on her check. I'm not sure. But they defer to her as if she is anti-fucking Cohen, okay? And she does not host the reunions. I don't, I, I, at one point she got into an argument with someone and basically fired them on the show, but they kept coming back. So I don't know why people are worried about that. Anyway, first season, a new person come, comes into the group and it's Gloria Govan. She is the baby mama of Matt Barnes. They're still together. They're engaged. They have twin sons. Uh, they don't end up getting married. They end up breaking up or, hmm, they end up breaking up, getting back together, getting married and not telling basketball wives when they're getting married. You know, a very like, uh, a very, uh, almost like a bizarro Robin, right? And like, they just went and got married and didn't call a producer or anything. And then they end up breaking up. Then she loses custody of the fucking kids at some point, which I was like, what the fuck is going on over there? I guess she tried to run Matt over at, at a school thing, um, this shit's still going on. You might have heard about Matt Barnes recently, because not too, like a couple of years ago, right before the pandemic, because he, he was like, <laughs> I guess TMZ or somebody caught him coming out of something. They were asking him, they were like, who are you dating? And he basically said he was dating Rihanna and Rihanna was like, 
I don't even know you. <laughs> like, I don't know what you're talking about. It was really fucking embarrassing. Anyway, um, uh, Gloria's new fiance, maybe ex-fiance, and Matt Barnes got into a fucking fight somewhere. And he was just, like, arrested over the, like, a couple weeks ago. Um, I think. I, 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 or suit. No, he didn't get arrested. They ended up suing him. So there's, like, a fucking suit out there. But the, what you need to know is that Gloria Gavon was on the show. And at the point, that point, she was engaged to Matt and they had twin boys. And she was kind of put on the show as the one that still had a man. And he was like, they're, they're bitter bitches. Don't get, don't get around them, blah, blah, blah. And the other thing was that her sister was rumored to have been one of the many women sleeping with Shaq when he was married to Shawnee. Um, and her sister was Gloria Gavon. So... What happens is eventually my, uh, uh, Vasco wise, Miami peters out partly because it now had, um, Tammy Roman on it. Okay. And Tammy Roman and Evelyn Lozada at the same time were linebackers. And what I mean by this is these bitches like to fight. They like to tussle. And for about two seasons, I mean, people was throwing tables. I mean, that little fucking table flip of, of Teresa's baby. Nobody's thinking about that fucking table flip. People was flying through the air on Basketball Wives, okay? People were coming. They, there was no, they weren't even letting them have like silverware at all on tables anymore because so much was fucking happening. At one point, there's a little, um, little, there's a grown woman on the show. Her name is Keisha, but she uh, is white passing. And she's uh, biracial, okay? And, you know, raised by her white family, her white side of the family in Arkansas. And she does a lot of like, oh no, this is ghetto. Oh no, I couldn't. And, you know, it didn't sit right with Tammy. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I submit there were a lot of forces at play here. Did Keisha get on my nerves too? Yes, she fucking did. She did a lot of, I'm here with the N-words and I don't, she didn't say this. I'm saying a lot of her attitude gave the vibe of, I'm here with the N-words and I don't know how to act. And oh no, I'm not used to this because this is ghetto. Like a lot of that. Um, Although she wasn't the person, because Tammy, if you guys remember, Tammy, when she was on The Real World, when she got off The Real World, and they did the reunion. She was pregnant with a ball player's baby. I forget his name. But after they broke up, Tammy was like semi-homeless. She was on food stamps. And she would tell she was telling this story on Basketball Wives. And one of the other girls was like, I've never seen a food stamp. I mean, she she grew up real bougie and whatever. And that caused a big ruckus. Anyway, Tammy's been kind of like a a fighter for a long time. And I mean, she almost threw somebody off a roof in, in fucking Italy at one point while she thought she was pregnant. She, uh, stole Keisha's purse. I mean, her and Keisha got into it. Tammy started, tried to make it physical. Keisha left, which is the thing to do. Okay. That's what you should do. But what she did, she left her purse and then she wouldn't give it. And then Tammy took it and wouldn't give it to her and said she had to come back and face her if she wanted her purse and was hiding it and shit. And they had to like fucking call security on the, cause they were in, where's that place everyone used to go to on reality TV where there'd be huts in the water. Like Shayna and Travis did it on, um, on their show, which I did for the, with, for the podcast. 
um, uh, that's where Kim was swimming when she remember she uh, her earring fell in and that that whole part where where Courtney's like Kim, there's people dying like that that that's where she supposedly dropped her earring and then in there and they couldn't find it and she was crying and then later they found it and that one dude she was married to for like 10 minutes was like that was fake for the show she, she it never went like whatever that that place i'm not sure i think it's tahiti or something but they went to one of those pl- the places where the pl- the huts you stay in are on are like on stilts in the water that's where they were when this all happened and Tim was like bullying Keisha hard and like threatening her and all those other things. And, and it kind of petered out because, um, there was just like seeing about black women on VH1 fucking each other up. Now they never talk about the bitches on Bravo. They never talk about those table flips. They never talk about the shit that like Lisa Renna has been ruining people's lives for years, years, by the way. People want Robin fired from Potomac because I think there's a misunderstanding. On Potomac, Karen, if you don't listen to Potomac, just ignore this. Karen said that there's a rumor that Robin is dating a woman that looks just like her. I would have left that out, Karen. Uh, Because they laughed so hard at you. Um, They're dating that he's cheating on Robin or dating... I don't know how they're implying. I don't know if they're implying that he's cheating or they're implying that they have like a, an op- that their relationship is fake. Whatever they're fucking implying. That he's walking around Georgetown with her. Okay. And Robin was like, I don't, I've never heard that. And she called Juan and Juan was like, Robin, stop playing on my goddamn phone, bitch. And hung the phone. <laughs> like, Juan. I don't know if Juan loves Robin. I... I really think they're trauma bonded. They've been together a very long time. Now, I'm not saying if you hear me and Mr. Curtis talking to each other sometimes, we don't talk to each other a little wild sometimes, but not like that. And not like, you know, she's on camera. You know what I mean? Y'all are in the comfort of your own home, like, you know, dragging each other. Like me and Mr. Curtis can sometimes be, be very rude to each other. (laughs) But we think it's a little funny. But in front of people, no, no. That's embarrassing your spouse. Don't do that. Anyway, so Robin was like, I don't know what this is about. After the show wrapped, after reunion wrapped, she got on her podcast with Giselle and started talking about a time. Well, mm. so that happened on the show. Then a couple of days after that, and everything's been filmed, but we haven't seen it all. Uh, a TikToker came out with a story of a woman that said that she had been dating Juan at, towards the end of the pandemic. The, the pandemic's not over, but he's talking about towards the end of lockdown. Uh, when people say the end of the pandemic, they're talking about fucking the end of 2020, the early 2021, not an actual end to the pandemic. So comes out. She had a whole, she has a hotel receipt with his name on it and some DMs, yada, yada, yada. And the next thing that happens is on that podcast, Robin gets on the podcast with Giselle and says she already knew about the woman with the hotel receipt and everything. And then she says she there's a good reason, some explanation, but you got to go to their Patreon to find out about it. People are so fucking <laughs> mad about this shit. Like, 
I understand being annoyed with Robin and Giselle because I am, okay? I'm tired of them, right? I'm tired of them making up storylines to for about other people to deflect from themselves, right? You don't have nothing going on, so you're going to pretend like uh, Chris Bassett uh, did you something. Now, Chris Bassett, you can say Chris Bassett made you uncomfortable all fucking day. Those are your own feelings. But you are saying that Chris Bassett did something to you, and that's not true. Everything you said makes that not true. You have admitted that's not true. But you, but... So I can't, if you felt uncomfortable, you felt uncomfortable, but the way you keep saying it, and I too will feel uncomfortable to be completely honest. I'm not, I don't, I don't, I leave people's, I leave people's man alone. Okay. I leave people's man alone. That's what I do. And so I would not want to be alone in an enclosed space with somebody's husband, um, for no reason, right? There's, there's plenty of reasons you could be, you know, y'all could be on a trip, y'all could be in the elevator, y'all got all kinds of reasons why you would be alone in a room with somebody's husband. But I don't want to ever be seen walking to some place, some secluded place with somebody else's fucking husband, especially when I'm on a reality TV show and people t- say shit all the time. I would be like, no, nah, I don't want to be in here. Because who the fuck knows that they're going to say happen? He might say I hit on him. I don't fucking know. I'm not doing that. Fine. But, that's not what Giselle says. Giselle says that Chris made her go in that room and he and he was driving it and this, this. And when we got down to it, what happened is that she felt uncomfortable. She asked him to leave. He was like, okay. He was just talking to her anyway. He didn't ask to go in there. He thought your, your uh, glam team would be in there. They're not. Okay, that's fine. And then she was like, eh, let's go see if they want us. And he's like, okay, let's go. Like he didn't do anything. And you sp- you drag this shit out as if he was the fucking number one rapist in all of uh in all of Potomac. And I really like I would have something to say if you said that if you did that to Miles. I would have something to say about that. But yeah, are they annoying? Yeah. Is there a lot of is there some allegations of colorism on the show? Yeah, and I and and I see it. I just don't know if they know that they're doing it. I think it's more of a case of we like we we like people that look like us and we don't look black. So anyway, but neither here nor there. People are like Robin needs to get fired. What they don't understand is that Robin, the person that Karen is talking about is not Rob, the person Robin's talking about. Robin's addressing this because of that TikToker that came out. The, the girl that 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 Karen's talking about is a whole different other person. The girl that Robin's talking about is from fucking Canada. She was not in Georgetown. Um, and according to Robin, and I and I support this. I mean, I am a Patreon creator, so uh, I, I like people to get paid. But also, this is bullshit. That, the fact that you put this behind a uh, paywall is bullshit. But apparently what happened is that, um, according to Juan, I don't believe this, but Juan, the girl has said that she had lost, she was in town. And she lost her wallet and she and she couldn't pay for her room. And uh, Juan went down there and, and paid for the room. So Ronald just pay for anybody to stay somewhere for the fuck of it? Really? That don't make no fucking sense, Robin, but okay. So, two th- like I said, two things. One, I think people are very fucking confused at what's going on. Right, they think that Robin went on the show and lied about that on the show, and then 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 was like, "Ha ha, it's true." Go to my Patreon to find out about. It. That's not what fucking happened. And 
two, y'all really unhappy with Robin this season. Me too. But you don't want her fired. You don't want her fired and this to go away. You want her on next season because everybody's ready to drag the fuck out of her. And they're ready. And like, am I interested in seeing y'all drag her because her man got a hot dick and she's stupid? No, because a lot of... Listen, I know y'all. A lot of y'all stupid out there. All of us, and I'll say the same thing. All of us are doing things in our personal and romantic relationships that maybe maybe we shouldn't be doing. If we ain't doing it now, we did it before. Okay? That's not really why I want her dragged. This is the same reason, like, I don't like it when Giselle, when people are like, Giselle, you ain't got no man. I don't, I don't care about Giselle having a man. I don't care. I only think that's relevant when she wanna, when she's want to talk. I'm like, Giselle, I would love to talk about your man. But he's living in your phone and does not exist. Like, that's fine to me. But I, but the fact that she doesn't have a man in general, I mean, who fucking cares? She's probably sleeping better at night than the rest of us. Men are terrible. So I'm not looking for Robin to be dragged because Robin, because Juan got a hot dick, okay? I want her to be dragged because she was all up in our business. She over here, she got, she got the tea on your man and your man and your man. But she ain't never go over there and look at where fuck her man. And that's what I'm ready for that. And I know Candace can do it. I know you can. Candace, I haven't always liked you. But I dislike these other people more. And I do enjoy your read. So let's get let's get that. I when we want sometimes y'all think y'all y'all think y'all want somebody else to show that y'all don't want else to fucking show. Because you want this drama from this. You want it brought up on the show next year. Also, Juan has, uh, is being sued for allowing uh, one of his staff members to take advantage of a player and catfish him and force him to send all these uh, nude pictures and things. like. Juan did not do it. But it seems like he was aware of the situation and continued to allow it to happen and stuff. Whatever. This is going to come up on camera. We want this. We want it out there in the open. You want them to put their fucking feet to the flames to be like, okay, well, when I was having tax problems, you was over here talking about, you was over here trying to see if I lived in this house playing the pizza man. Now it's time to get up in your business, bitch. You want that. Lisa Renna is very different. We have gotten what we're going to get from Lisa Renna. And so she needs to be fired, let go, paused, quit, whatever the fuck she did, she needed to do that. Because next season, all we're going to get is Lisa making up shit again. At this point, Lisa is playing, is like, she's not giving anything. What she's doing, she's scrounging up stuff to talk about, about other people. And a lot of times she's making it up. There's a lot of underhanded dealings. and It's just, it's gross. That's somebody you want to get fired. When Portia dragged Kenya, she was she the next year she was a friend. The reason she was a friend was not because she dragged Kenya. The reason she was a friend is because her ass was homeless. And she wouldn't let production know. She was not letting them do anything. She was meeting them outside. She was meeting them on the side of the highway. She was doing all kinds of stuff because her and Cordell had broken up. She had nowhere to go. And her, her mama, and her grandparents were living in a fucking were living in two hotel adjoining hotel rooms. That's how Portia got. It's not bad behavior. Can you imagine if after the season that uh, Portia and Phaedra told that fucking lie about Candy the entire season behind Candy's back and Candy finds out at the fucking reunion that Phaedra is the one that's been saying it? Can you imagine if the next season Portia wasn't on? Can you imagine that? Because... That storyline would have went and been gone. But because 
Portia was on the next season, they were able to extend it. And she was able to take her fucking licks. People were able to get her. I mean, you want to see atonement from Robin, okay? You don't want Robin fired. Anyway, I don't know why I'm talking about that. Oh, I'm talking about that because of basketball wives. It came like, oh, women, black women making look, they making the race look bad. Ooh, I don't believe in that. I don't believe in that. I I think that there are all types of black women and black men in this world and, and black non-binary, but there's a lot of fucking people in this fucking world, guys. And we represent all over the fucking spectrum and should and we should see that representation. And some black women jump over tables and fight each other. And that's just what it is. And for those of the, where well, you're making us look bad to the racist, baby, the racists don't care. They're they going to hate you regardless. It doesn't matter if you pull up your pants. It doesn't matter if you if you uh, speak the king's English, which they don't, but okay. It doesn't matter if you, it doesn't matter if you strive for excellence and never let a fucking thing happen. Doesn't It doesn't matter. You could still be shot jog. You could still be shot jogging. You could be. You could still be um, murdered by the police when you call the police for help. You're the one that called, and they show up and shoot you. You could be. Like there is no amount of uh, shucking and driving and respectability politics. That is going to make a racist not racist. So if that's the case, let's just have a little fucking fun. You know what I mean? So so basketball-wise, Miami fizzles out. It, I think it had like one season left. While they moved the fran they started a franchise in LA. Now, on LA, Gloria, she's leaving Miami. She's going back to LA because I think Matt Barnes went to the Lakers. Um, and she's originally from LA. And so the show follows her back to LA and her sister's also on it. And that's Gloria. And Gloria's on the show for two years. Gloria was, um, her baby daddy was Gilbert Arenas. I don't know shit about Gilbert Arenas. Okay. The only thing I know about Gilbert Arenas is what I know from this. But apparently he was, he like played for the Wizards. He played for Magic, um, the Orlando Magic. Whatever. And he and Laura had some of the the messiest fucking relationship that ever hit Bossip. Okay? The black blogs used to have a time with fucking uh, Gloria Govan and Gilbert Arenas. And they had four kids together. Um, And they just, there was a lot of stuff. She ended up, he sued her for slander for saying that he, that she had uh, gotten an STD from him. Um, yeah. So that's what you should know. Gloria Govan, I mean, uh, her sister's name is Gloria, was also on Basketball Wives LA. Um, she's got four kids. She's been pregnant the entire time. The first episode, I think her and Malaysia get into it and they both are like postpartum like, weeks okay they like they literally just had babies and they start to fight and I'm like, I'm like guys are your stitches healed um so one thing so when they tell us who the all not all of Ayala's viewers know who the fuck Laura Govan is but um when they tell us about it 
uh, they give a little montage about her. Why did they, why did they put that shady ass, uh, video of her having, or picture of her having a nip slip on the red carpet somewhere? Like she's blowing a kiss and her tits all out and they blurred. I'm like, girl, girl, <laughs> y'all really trying to embarrass this girl. Hey, what are you going to do? Get her nipple covers? Is that what we're here? Is that how you're going to fix her life? Cover up her nips? Come on. So, so apparently they are filming at um, Laura's mom and dad's house. Laura um, and Gloria are uh, half Latino, half black. They're Afro Latinos or Latinas, excuse me. And, uh, they love to talk about being Mexican and black all the time. It's, it's, it's a big part of their identity. Gloria, uh, uh, published some cookbooks about, uh, cooking black and Mexican. Those are her words, not mine. Like that's how she identifies. And they grew up with like, they have like a lot of family members. Um, they kind of give me an impression to you guys, uh, Fuck, I'm gonna have to, let me pause this because I'm not gonna remember this family's name. Oh my fucking God, I'm back. So <laughs> that was a hell of a Google search. Um, there was this girl, India Love, and she was like, uh, she was known as being like Instagram famous and she had been dating the game. She's like a child. Like, I think she she started dating the game when she was like underage. And there are paparazzi pics of him in a park, I'm sorry, this is gross, him fingering her and then pulling out the fingers and having her sniff them. Swear to fucking God, this is a real fucking thing. She had a reality TV show. It was called The Westbrooks. And because it was about her, a group of sisters who all were kind of Instagram famous. Like, quotes on the fucking famous. Like, they had a lot of followers. Like, all the sisters had a lot of followers. And they kind of, you know, this is when everybody's trying to pitch a, this is like 2013. Everyone's trying to do a Kardashian adjacent, like, show. Like, everyone's trying to do that. So it's a bunch of sisters. They're all fairly pretty. They're all, oh, Afro-Latina. Um, their mom is uh, Latina and their dad is black. And they're all, they all passed the paper bag test. And, um, and, um, they, there's all something different. Like one of them has a lot of tattoos and she's got a lot. One of them's a plus size influencer. <laughs> and for a while, when people would talk about Laura and Gloria, they this is what they were taught. They had a lot of siblings. They are both athletic. They both played basketball. They were both like, their father was a huge part of their lives and stuff. And, um, like, uh, he coached them and taught them to be competitive. Like, Laura and Gloria talk about their growing up as if it's the best thing shaken and that they're so, they're like, we're super exotic. <laughs> I think they literally said that one time. So we're supposedly in their, her parents' house. I don't know how true this is. Uh, Ayanla can uh, be a little iffy with the facts on things like this. But when Laura walks in, she's very chipper. Ayanla's already there. She says they're, she's there because she's portrayed in the world as a, loose, a world as a loose cannon. 
She said she did basketball wives because she was angry and bitter with Gilbert. And she says she couldn't wait to tell the story of how he left her. Uh, so let me tell you the story of how he left her. What happened is that, I mean, so they were on and off, on and off. They had three kids and they were off. And I guess they got back on and they got, she got pregnant with the fourth. So he's in there. She lives, she's in their LA mansion where they live with the children. Um, Gilbert, I think he was playing for the wizards and he got traded to Atlanta, to the Orlando magic. So apparently he said that when he heard the news, he was traded. He bought, he immediately bought a plane ticket and just went to Orlando. Uh, he didn't say goodbye to nothing. He didn't say nothing to them fucking kids. He didn't say nothing to Laura. He just went to Orlando and then ref- did not speak to, accept any phone calls, send any money, nothing. She said this happened like she, it was over a month before she started like telling people at the press that he'd abandoned her and the children and that he basically, he lived in Orlando now and he was not speaking to her. And then... So she started talking to the press and people was like, what? And Gilbert was like, yeah, I just went to Florida. I don't, I don't do that no more. I don't, I don't give a fuck about them people over there. And then he sent her an eviction notice that said she, that she had to get out within 60 days. And then (laughs) the like, the light, the water and lights got turned off. Like she was like, I'm not leaving. And he was like, well, I think you're going to leave. And he turned off the fucking utilities and now his kids are in there guys. And I mean, listen, like I said, they fought all the time. At one point, he says that she came over to his new house. I think this is before they got pregnant with the fourth child. She came over to his new house and busted all the fucking windows out the, out the fucking house. And I'm like, even on the second floor, like you live in big houses. Like, did she get a ladder? What the fuck? She, mm, he threw a cinder block through the windshield of a car she was driving that he owned. Now, when the reports are that the car she was driving, I am unclear of whether she was literally driving it or whether it's just the car she's used to driving. I'm unclear. But the idea of me being inside a car and this man throws a cinder block through it well, actually, I don't need to be in the car. This is, I mean, this is violence, guys. This is violence. Uh, regardless of whether she was in the car, she was literally in the car or not. But this is the type of shit they do to each other. Um, they went to court for child support over and over again. He was refusing to pay child support. He, What he would do is he would get... I mean, listen, the guy's got 50 cent energy, okay? He's got 50 cent energy. Like, he, he, he don't give a fuck. Um, he would get on the internet with like stacks of cash and the children and be like, yeah, we dancing because we got money and mommy doesn't have any money. The bitch is broke. Like he would be, he'd be putting, he was constantly, like he was like, I, Gilbert Arenas, I don't know. I don't fucking know what's going on with him. At some point after they got divorced and I mean, they were never married. So after, um, so there's an email that got leaked talking about, it was Laura's email to Gilbert talking about how all the stuff he'd done to her. He actually had apparently slept with one of the, her basketball wife co, co, uh, co-stars. This is where everybody finds out that she's alleging that he slept with her sister. Um, and she's alleging in this email that he gave her an STD. 
Um, she, I think she even went on the doctors or something talking about her yeast infections from stuff. Gilbert, I, girl, girl. So, so this email gets leaked and Gilbert says that Laura leaked it and is slandering him. And so, so he sues her and fucking wins. Again, 50 Cent Energy. He sues her and wins. He sued her for $3 million. He only wins like 110000 but he ends up winning because I guess it just becomes very clear she leaked that herself. She, that like, that didn't come out. She put it out. And that also, um, she can't prove it. You know what I mean? That happens. He tries to guard, he tries to like, keep in mind, this is the mother of his four children. Okay. They have a custody exchange like every week. All right. Uh, he starts, uh, he, he, he files to get it taken out of her bank account. Uh, it's just over and over and over shit. And at some point, right before you guys know who Tamar is, we've talked about her. She's Tony Braxton's sister. She has, she's been on a bunch of reality TV shows and I've talked about her when I talked about, um, um, the, the Braxton's on Ayanla Fix My Life. I talked about her. When I talked about, um, um, I think me and Kara just fucking talked about the Braxtons one time on the Patreon where we just like riffed on the fucking Braxtons. But when she, her husband, Vince was a manager. He used to manage Lady Gaga on the back of like a bunch of pop songs for Lady Gaga is Tamar's uh, voice and like all that. Um, when they broke up, it was, the rumor was, it's because Vince was fucking, uh, Laura Govan and that he had gotten her pregnant and Gilbert heard this rumor and got on the internet and like got on Instagram and was like adding Vince and was like, she's a whore. I don't know who you got pregnant, but if it was my ex-wife, you better run. Like Gilbert is a lot, but the, the story that she's trying that she said she wanted to tell she couldn't wait to tell everybody was how he basically abandoned her in that house oh and then when he told her to get out the house and she wouldn't leave she, when she finally did leave she took a bunch of shit with him he tried to get her arrested for taking his his quote unquote belongings he left them there man he just went to fucking he just like I said he got on a fucking plane and was like oop I'm out um I told no one he even she even took his infamous uh shark tank he had a tank with a bunch of sharks that she took that too and he he tried to have her arrested for theft um but yeah she wanted to tell everyone that on basketball wives and she didn't really get to tell that story uh she says not the way she wanted it to she says when she first met gilbert they were young he was at the beginning he was already in in the in the nba uh loris reads old to me I don't know I think it's her she looks like she's had a lot of plastic surgery but I don't think she has later when her mom comes on that scoopy ass nose that Laura has I think that's her mom's nose like it looks just like her mom's nose and for all the time that Laura we've known Laura she's been a staple of lipstick alley and and boss up and you know baller alert and all that shit all the time that she has been a tabloid staple, she has been on and off pregnant. 
So she's been bigger, she's been smaller, she's been bigger, she's been smaller. Um, so like, I would venture to say we actually don't know what Laura looks like. Maybe now, in 2023, we know what she looks like. But at the time this came out, I was like, we actually don't know what she looks like. But she she reads older because she looks like she's had a lot of plastic surgery. And I don't know if that's necessarily true. Um, but they met when she was, when he was just starting the NBA. And this is, she said that she started bringing him around her family and she believes that he and Gloria, she doesn't say Gloria's name, but it's all over the fucking, the, the blogs. She means Gloria. She thinks Gloria fucked him. Um, she says that she brought Matt Barnes around for Gloria to distract her from Gilbert. And, you know, by the way, Gloria denies this. Gilbert denies this. Her parents don't believe this. No one believes this. Um, she, she basically says she was always an athlete. She'd be shooting in the gym with Gilbert and she's right. She was always an athlete. There's a, there's a scene from basketball wives LA where Gloria and Laura like beat the fucking shit out of each other in like a, in a, in a bat, in a boxing ring. This is back in reality TV. Everybody was always going boxing and, uh, they beat the shit out of each other. And just like, I think, I think. From what I remember, and I'm probably remembering this wrong, um, Gloria's lip is is like busted, and she's like, "We we're competitive, we're this and that," and like Laura is a lot bigger than Gloria. Gloria like doesn't weigh much, and she's kind of petite, and Laura is gives the impression I've never seen in real life of being a tall person. And they were calling, and at the time she was postpartum, they were talking. They were calling her like a linebacker or whatever. And <laughs> listen, when I called Evelyn Lozada and um, Tammy Roman linebackers, I was not talking about body shape. I was talking about the fact these motherfuckers used to like throw them fucking elbows and bust up and jump through the air and flip like things. They were like unstoppable. So that's what I meant by linebackers. But girl, to be completely honest, I don't know what a fucking linebacker is anyway. So I don't care. Anyway, Laura believes Gloria had a relationship with Gilbert. Um, she says she she declines to tell Ayanla why. She just says certain situations she just knows. Um, and this supposedly happened right when they first started dating. And Ayanla's like, okay, so why did you keep dating him? And she's like... She wanted to prove that she could get him because she's so competitive. Um, and she says she wanted to prove she can have this man and everything that comes with it. Uh, which is fucked up thinking. You know what I mean? So, like I said, um, they had a heated custody fight. Um, oh, she at one point she was threatening to go to the press about him. His drug problem about him selling, dealing weed. Um, like, so Ayala asked him about Gilbert, asked her about Gilbert. And she says that Gilbert wants to control her through the kids. And Ayala suggests that just let him have the kids if that's what he's trying to do. If that's what he wants. And Laura's like, oh no, I can't do that. And then Ayala says, what if I were to tell you that I'm here because you don't know who you are as a woman? Well, what? I don't know, Ayala. Why do you get, why are you asking me? Are you here? because of that or this is a question this is a hypothetical um laura's mother gloria and her father come out i forgot her father's name her mother's name is gloria i remember that because 
that's a tradition and and like I love that tradition. I always think it's badass when a woman is naming her daughter after herself. I just I just fucking love it. Um, I have a friend who is named after her mother and her mother's named after her mother and the three of them just walk around like a little fucking gang and it's like I'm into it and unfortunately my name is Princess so I will not ever be naming anybody that so you know they, they don't like Gilbert either they felt Gilbert would cheat on her all the time and manipulate her they wanted her to leave she wouldn't she'd go back and forth um, they don't believe he slept with Gloria and, but, you know, they don't they don't like Gilbert and they want her to be done with him. And Ayanla talks to the parents and asks why Laura doesn't feel believed by them. She mentions the Gilbert thing. They don't believe that, that Gilbert slept with Gloria. They, Laura says a sexual assault happened when she was like 13. And she told her parents she was 13. Um, they interchanged molested and sexual assault. Um... Gloria, I mean, Laura was raped. Uh, later on, she clarifies that he was inside her. Uh, this is not a because molested can mean a lot of things. It's very vague, but I think the connotation of it is like fondled. Um, molested implies uh, no penetration. That's what it implies, and that's not what was going on. Uh, she keeps saying it, he was. She was molested by her. And so I'm assuming that it's a relative to her, like her uncle, her cousin, like something like that. Um, I don't know, but they don't believe her. And I guess it, well, it comes up that this time they don't believe her that it happened. She says she told them when she was 13 years old and they say she didn't. And they called her. She said that like she was talking to her down on the phone. Her dad says she's disrespectful. He hung, she hung up on him and all those other things. And she says she hung up on him because he was calling her a liar because she says that she told them when she was 13 and that they didn't do anything. Um, I don't know. I don't think it's important that I need to know who, who is actually telling the truth. I think it, I think I could eat, I could believe either way. Um, I think it is incredibly sad either way too, because Either you were 13 and you told them that they had, that something, that someone had been hurting you. And they were just like, doop, 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 can't hear you. I can't hear you. If I hear you, I have to do something so I can't hear you. Like that. Or your perception of what was going on at the time is fucked up. And you thought that you had told them and you didn't. Either one of those scenarios is fucked up, guys. Um, Ayanla tells the father that every woman marries her father in some way and that he needs to be open to the fact that he taught her to take this behavior in some manner and that the mother did too. And in their 45 years together, that they somehow show, taught Laura to take this sort of, that this is okay. 45, imagine being with somebody 45 fucking years. 45 years? Guys, long-term relationships are hard. Um, I, I guess, I like, plot twist. Princess comes out with new information. Somebody called the papers. Long-term relationships are hard. And they're hard because you are growing as a person and changing. Things are changing. And yet you are changing alongside someone else who is also growing and changing. And there are... There are... 
There are requirements to maintaining a long-term relationship, a happy one. Let me take, let me make sure I say that because some people, people stay together forever and they unhappy as fuck, but to stay together and also be incredibly happy is, is tough. Um, one of the books I recently read, which I, I don't like the title. I don't like how binary it is. Um, how, how very heterosexual it is. Um, it's called how not to hate your husband after you have kids or something like that. Um, but somebody else that I listened to suggested that book. And so I, I listened to it and yeah, there's, there's a lot of painfully heterosexual stuff in there. And also a lot of stuff I just can't relate to. I don't, I can't imagine a husband that doesn't cook and clean. I can't imagine that. But they said something that was really interesting to, to me that like, I've been kind of, you know, what did I say? Take what you can use, leave the rest. And I could use this piece of information that there are, there's you, there's them, and then there's the relationship. And the relationship is a, is a third entity that is separate from the two of you, but you benefit from the relationship. And some of the things you do are going to serve yourself, obviously, and should, right? Some of the things you're going to do is going to serve your partner. And many of the things you do are going to serve the relationship. And and that's going to bring back dividends to you. Hearing that, I was like, oh, fuck. Because I have a partner who has, I will say, unmanaged ADHD. And um, it is not always easy. I'm Right now is not the time for me to be on the internet being like, being partnered with someone unmanaged ADHD is tough, but it is. And right now the narrative is either you love someone just the way they are, or you're not allowed to like, there's, I, I don't feel comfortable talking about it right now, but it's tough. And there's a lot of workarounds and things I do because I live with someone with unmanaged ADHD. Like in my to-do list, in my very neat digital planner that I use, I have it so that I get on a step stool because I'm a short person. Mm, I'm not short. I am a average size person, but my husband is tall. And I have to check the top of the refrigerator because he often rests things there and I can't fucking see it. I got some rotten uh, fucking mushrooms from up there the other day. He put them up there. I never saw them and he didn't remember. He doesn't remember putting them up there. So... A lot of the things I do to serve the relationship. Another thing, another thing that that book said. Also, by the way, that book, she cites, I mean, there's a lot of like stories in it and they're good. I mean, they're fine. It was enjoyable to listen to. But she cites some people that I'm like, girl, I don't know what they're talking about. And some of these studies, I'd love to see the abstracts. I love to see, I love to see the actual papers on these studies because some of these things don't sound legit, but fine. Um... But she talks about something that like is really helpful for me. And that is uh, making the task neutral, morally neutral. Because a lot of times we can turn into, I wake up early is a morally, is a moral thing. Like I'm a good person. You know why? Because I wake up early. I'm a good person because my socks are tidy. I'm a good, you know what I mean? And so if you don't, pick up after yourself after your sandwich you're a bad person and 
like I, I gotta like I was not thinking of task as morally neutral. And so once I took that out of them, and then I also took the idea of that the things he does are because because he's trying to kill me. You know what I mean? Like the fact is, like he has this <sighs> guys. Every room my husband walks into that has a fan, like the laundry room, the bathrooms, he turns on the light and the fan, does whatever he needs to do, and when he leaves, turns off the light, but leaves the fan on. So, as I'm walking through the house, I always hear all these extra noises. It's fans in bathrooms in a laundry room. So I have to go from room to room turning off the fans or closing all the cabinets. These are things, but like... I've been doing that for, for, we're getting close to two decades at this point. Because on Monday, we will have been together 16 years. It'll be 16 years since the day we first hung out. Um, we're getting close to two decades. I've been doing this. And every time I do it, I mumble to myself about how, how like selfish he is for doing that. Because I turned that into, one, he was doing it intentionally, two... I was the good person for going to turn this off because that's what you should do. And because he didn't do it, he's a bad person. And all those things I do, we do, well, we do as a team to work around his unmanaged ADHD. I thought of as me serving him, but I'm not serving him. I'm serving the relationship. I know that if Certain things don't happen. Our relationship wilts. And so I have to do them. I have to like, I have to water and pour love into this relationship for me to get things out of it. And I do get a lot out of it. Net positive. Always has been net fucking positive in my life. Um, It's hard to describe how much I get from the fucking relationship. I adore this relationship and this man. But I want to start thinking of it that way. So one thing is that my husband always offers me food. Um, He always makes me breakfast. Whether I'm going to eat it or not, he makes me breakfast. And recently he told me that what he wants is to always, anytime I show up at the house with food, to bring food for him. Whether I think he's going to be here or not, whether I think he wants to eat it or not. Anytime I make food to make a plate for him. Because keep in mind, he lives in a different time zone. He works nights. I work, I'm not up in the middle of the night. So even if he's not here to make a plate specifically for him, that that makes him feel loved. And even if he's not in the mood to eat or he doesn't want to eat it, knowing that I didn't make any for him or that I gave it all to the kids and didn't save anything for him makes him feel bad. I didn't know that for a lot of years. And I'm at the store, I'm at um, some place at a fast food place. I'm on the phone with my mom and she's like, why are you ordering that food? I was like, some of it's for Mr. Curtis. And she goes, Oh, he wants lunch? I was like, I don't know. But if I'm getting food and I'm going to show up at the house, I have to come with him because otherwise he feels left out. And he said that very specifically. He said it straight to my fucking face. And I said, okay. And so old me or the old perspective would have been like, I do that for him, but I don't. I do that for a relationship. I do that because I want our relationship I want in our relationship for it to be clear that I care about him and he, and food is love to him. That's why he always feeds me. Food is love. So 
that's what I'm doing for a relationship. I have five children. I connect with my husband physically many times throughout the week. And that can mean a number of things, but I'm not always willing. I'm not always ready to do that because I get touched out. I'm very busy. Uh, we, he works nights. I'm, I live in the day. We don't always connect that way, but we make sure we connect that way because our relationship thrives when we connect to each other physically. Uh, when I, when we're going out by ourselves tomorrow to just like, I don't actually need, uh, I don't like matching clothes and, but he does. And I don't actually need to go out to eat. I don't need to do any of that shit. I would be just as happy at home tomorrow. And we could, we could not mark that anniversary and I would be fine with it. But the, and I think he might be, he might be fine with it. He might be like, oh, we don't have to, if you don't want to, whatever. But the relationship needs us to. And again, by pouring into this relationship and with time together and with, um, like I have a reckless mouth. I say, if we fight, I can say whatever. I could bring in some shit that happened 10 years ago. If I wanted to, we're fighting. I can say, I can call you whatever I fucking want to when we're fighting. Like there are no gloves off. And like I always say, let's get ready to rumble because that's how I feel when it's, I, I'm ready. You want to fight right now? Let's do it. I'm always ready for a fight. I've always got six things I've been meaning to tell you anyway. <laughs> so, but that doesn't serve our relationship. It also doesn't serve me. And I'm sure it doesn't serve him either. And so when I thought about so uh, reading that book, a lot of the stuff I was like, okay, sure, sure, uh, sure, yeah, mm-hmm, sure. Yeah, I got it, I get it. He doesn't see the trash. My husband always sees the trash. <laughs> My husband very much cares about the trash. Uh, my husband hears all, anytime one of the kids is crying, he hears them. But the way he feels about what we should and shouldn't do are very different. And, and we have to talk about a lot of things. But as we always tell each other, when these children are gone, I don't like, it's just gonna be me and him at the end of this, it's gonna be me and him. And so how do we keep that relationship watered in the time, even through dry, you know, droughts and shit. And that's important. And I can't. So the whole reason I'm talking about this is because I'm thinking about, like, I don't know Gloria's, I mean, Laura's mom's and dad's shit. They feel like they've been through a lot. Um... Looking at them, it seems they seem the exact type of people that you find out that he had a fucking secret family the whole time. You know what I mean? I don't know what the fuck they've been through. But I know any time, if their relationship is functional at all, and again, I don't know that it is. If their relationship is functional at all, 45 years is a long time to still have a functional relationship. I hope I get there. I might not. It'll be fine if I'm not, I'll figure it out. But the amount of practicing and being in a relationship you must have done over 45 years is phenomenal, a lot. I've, I I can't imagine it. My parents haven't been together 45 years. I have young parents. I think they've been married 34 years. Um. So... Ayala says something. 
She says no one comes out of a two-parent household and behaves in this manner unless there is something going on under the carpet. Now, the way she said it, she said it with a flourish in her voice that was so condescending. She's like, no one comes out of a two-parent household and behaves like this. It just, the way she said it, and maybe she's probably right. You know, what I have, you know, watching Ayala without like analyzing what's happening is one thing. But watching it this way and taking notes and analyzing, the thing that I always, that like always hooks me up on is that there's a lot of always and never, you know? There's always definitive, this equals that. And I don't, I don't know. I, I don't think the world's that black and white. There's a lot of fucking gray. And people very rarely always do things. And people very rarely never do things. A lot of it's somewhere in the middle, in the gray areas. And so I have such a hard time when she's like, when she's like, if you have a two-parent household, you would never act this way. And I understand that two-parent households are beneficial in a lot of ways, but I don't know that they keep you from being a chicken head. You know what I mean? I don't hope they keep you from being a pigeon. I don't, I don't know. Um, and not that... Not that I'm necessarily downing Laura. What I am saying, though, is that Laura's life is chaotic. She's always on the blogs and in drama and headlines. And it's always some pigeon-ass shit, you know? Um, so, you know, if it walks like a pigeon and squawks like a pigeon, it's a fucking pigeon. And so I get what she's trying to fucking say, right? But still, like... I was like, I don't know. It's it's possible. I don't know. And 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 also I understand that your formative years are so important to like how you see things, how you how you view situations and stuff. And I agree. Like I the more I learn about myself and the more I learn about like the things that I am doing to like to place obstacles in my way. A lot of them come from like shit that happened when I was a kid. Shit my parents don't even fucking remember. It was insignificant to them. But apparently I've been dragging along behind me like baggage for all my fucking life. But I also don't know that... I mean, we have to talk about personal responsibility. Um, I don't know that Laura's parents are to blame for Laura, for Laura's choices. I don't know about that. She still made the choices. No one had a gun to her head. And so as much as I appreciate what, what Ayala's saying, I'm like, okay, I don't know. And I also don't know that you, that that's a very condescending thing you just said. And I don't know if speaking to them this way is the best way to get them to listen to you. I just don't know. So the parents are still in communication with Gilbert. Her dad says they argue about Gilbert all the time and that like she hung up the phone and all that. Um, Ayanla starts talking about it and he starts talking over going saying, don't matter, don't matter, don't matter. I was like, oh my God. She eventually looks at the mother and says, does he do that to you? Meaning talk over you. And she says sometimes and Laura says the same. And Ayanla says in a very soft voice, how come they don't believe you, Laura? And Laura immediately starts crying and says she doesn't know. They don't want to deal with what's real. She's crying. And I told y'all when I talked about that flavor, uh, the Charm School episode, that they, there's uh, tough girls, all right? 
tough girls who have an ex- who have a built up ex- uh, exterior armor that you know will fight you, that'll talk shit to you, that'll set this bitch off. Tough girls are waiting for you to talk tough to them. That's why they have that that warrior stance. That's why they that fight in them because they're ready for you to come at them. But if you walk in there soft instead of hard, they will crumble right on you. That's why everybody started crying as soon as Monique and Charm School started talking to them. Because like I had said at the time, how many rapes are in that room? How many my mama didn't love me are in that room? How many, I don't even know, I never even met my daddies are in that room. How many he didn't love me, she didn't love me, uh, nobody's cared for me, I don't have a net, nobody, nobody takes care of me, feels like I don't understand. How many of that is in there? Lots of them. Plenty of them. And they're all, I mean, they're on this reality TV show and they come in, they're all tough. They're all fucking tough. But you come in there talking soft, bitch. I promise you, like, if, if I will, if I ever met Kale Lowry, um, I know her so well. I know everything. I like, I feel it. I know. I, I see myself in her. If I ever met her, I'd talk soft to her. I'd ask her about herself. I'd say things like, are you tired, Kale? And I guarantee you she would cry because nobody asks her if she's tired. Nobody says, let me carry that for you. And no one ever has, or at least that's how she feels. I mean, it's probably not true. Probably people have tried in the past and she's pushed them away because she doesn't trust that. It doesn't feel like home to you. Because what feels like home is people letting you down and people turning their back and people say one thing and do another. People, your mother said, I'll be right back over and over and over again. And she was not right back, was she? Took her a long time to come back. And when she did come back, she was drunk and yelling and hurtful. And someday she was, she was everything. She was your best friend. She would take, she was your lifeline. And another day it was scary to talk to her, right? So... Like, if I were trying to get Kale Lowry to, like, uh, to, like, melt in my hands, what I would do is I would ask her if she eaten today, and then I would feed her. Um, it's a softness. That's how, that's how you do it. And so that's why, um, that's why Laura is crying. Because that question, why don't they believe you, Laura? Is a question she's probably asked her all her all her fucking life. Why don't they believe me? They don't believe me. Why? What is it about me that they don't believe? Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm not saying Ayanla doesn't know what she's doing. I'm saying that sometimes she knows what she's doing. She don't give a fuck. So, but like the fact that she knew the pivot there, that's part of it. Laura says she's taking care of everyone in her family. She's giving them money. She's let people live with her. She's given of herself for acceptance from them. Dad says, okay, so what has your family done for you, though? He starts to talk to Laura and say that her mother has done all these things. And Ayanla's like, hello, hello, do you do you hear me? And she's trying to get him to stop. And he says, I hear you, honey. And I'm like, who the fuck are you calling honey? And he like he's, he's belligerent at this point. Anyway, talk about maybe giving Gilbert the kids. And everyone is upset, which I can understand, of course. I feel like what's going on is that Ayala is saying, hypothetically, like, there's this push and pull going on you and Gilbert. There's this, like, he's got all the money in the fucking world and you don't. And there's this, he's using the children to push and pull and fuck with you. What if, 
instead of fighting, because that's what you do all the time, you always show up to the ring to fight. You show up to any fucking fight that you're called to, which is a thing that someone once told me that sticks with me. You don't have to go, you don't have to show up to every fight you're invited to. At the time, I was like, oh, fuck, I don't. Just because they want to fight with me doesn't mean I have to fight with them. And I just told you I love the fight. I'm, I'm, maybe I don't love the fight, but I'm ready at all times. I'm ready. I'm wait. I was waiting for you to turn on me anyway. So here we go. <laughs> I was waiting for you to turn on me. I knew it was gonna happen, and I'm ready for it. But when that person said that to me, the, they said it in the interest of me conserving my energy, protecting my peace. Like, in the end, what do I get? And I wanted peace. Like, I mean, that's one of, like, as, as I headed into my 40s, that's one of the things I wanted more than anything. And it's and I, I feel like I've gotten a lot of it. My life is pretty fucking peaceful. But, like, yeah, I told you how my bed is set up. How my bed is, like, fucking sleeping on a cloud. How everything feels perfect in it. How when you go to sleep in my room, my room is conducive to go to fucking bed. That's what my room, there's a TV in there, but my room is conducive to go to bed. But that's peace that I was looking for. And I mean, and so I have a very peaceful life, but I don't think I would if that long time ago, that person hadn't told me something I should already know. That I'm not, just like I don't have to go to every party I'm invited to, I don't have to go to every fight I'm invited to. And I really changed my approach to be more like the grand dame of the Real Housewives of Potomac and that people come for me, but they don't, but they rarely find me. And that like, you cannot fight with me if I'm not going to let you. You might be upset with me. Like when people tweet shit at me, that's crazy. I just hop right the fuck over it. I, I've, I've, I don't even respond to that shit. Even in real life, I will mute you in real life and move on. What's, wh- where's my peace? I only, I, I, I'm only going to live so long. I have no idea. I could die tonight. I only got so many more hours and days and years on this earth. What I want to do during that time. And what I want to do is be happy and be calm and be cozy. Cozy vibes only. That's what I'm looking for. And unfortunately, screaming with you in the street is not cozy to me. Um, but Ayanla's saying... Instead of allowing him to force you into a fight, what if you gave him the thing that he's asking you for? Now, we'll get back to that, but I don't think she's doing a good job of explaining it that way because they're all like, what do you mean give Gilbert to children? Um, I think Ayanla's saying, asking the question, what would you gain by that? What Play the tape through, right? So I do with Cheeks all the time, sometimes a bunny. Um, when they're doomsdaying and I do it with myself as well because that my anxiety will lie to, to me all the fucking time. I, what will happen if that happens? And then what happens? And then what would happen? Worst case scenario, doomsday it all the way. What would happen? What's the worst case scenario? And then what would you do? And then what would you do? And then what would you do next? And usually what it comes down to is I will be okay. That's what I, it'll, it, I maybe I won't like it. But I'll be all fucking okay. I'll I'll be all right. Um, I think that's an exercise she's trying to do. But I don't. But again, 
So Ayala talks often about how this is her ministry. This work is her ministry. This show is secondary. I'm not sure about that because a lot of what she's doing is flourishing and, and stuff. It's great TV. It's great to watch. But if you're trying to help me, why won't you explain to me what the fuck you're talking about? Why are you over here talking in riddles? Why are you acting like if I don't guess this riddle, I can't go over this bridge? Babe, what? What? <laughs> what is this? <laughs> so I don't know about all that, but I think that's what she was trying to say. The daddy is like, that has never happened. I bet money on it, lady. She, he's going to call her honey and lady. Um, Ayana asks why why the kids go to see Gilbert of Gilbert. So terrible, they say. And, he's, and he has... They say he, they have no other choice and his money is kicking uh, Laura in the ass. When I, then I, Yonla says again, give her, give him the children. And the dad says, you can't be serious. And then she says, but you gave your daughter to him. You gave your child to him. And I was like, oof. And she also says that Gilbert can't be that bad because she had four kids with him. Ayala tells them that they couldn't hear her when she said she was being sexually assaulted. They don't know what she saw in the home growing up. And then she tells them that this is a mess and somebody's got to clean it up. So next, the dad and Ayala are talking one-on-one. And Ayala says that she can tell he was the man of the house. He worked hard. He provided for his family. He's an older man. I mean, I'm assuming they're in their 60s. Um, He's an older man. And when... He says, because she said, I could tell you were the man in the house. He said, he is the man in the house. I, I, he's of a generation that saying that really meant something to him. And that when he said he was the man in the house, that means he went to work and he provided. And that was the main thing. He coached her. He coached Laura in basketball. He was hard on her on and off the court. Ayanna says, Ayanna says, that's where Laura got the, I'm going to show you shit from. Ayanla says that Gloria thinks she's not good enough. And that's what he taught her, that she had to prove herself over and over again. And the dad said it worked for him and her behavior is not 100% his fault, which I agree it's not 100% his fault. But what she's saying is that the way you handle Laura is that you make her doubt who she is and prove that she is good enough for your love over and over again. Did she win? Did she doing the best if she doing these other things when... I think it's so like, well, I'll say this for my kids. I my what I want them to know is that I am meeting you where you are. You are lovable where you are today. Me and uh, turtle, when we went out, we talked about a lot of things. Um, Turtle's about to be 13 this year. And although he has a good understanding of money, cause we, cause he gets allowance and we talk about money and savings and things like that. I'm being very conscious of showing him how much things cost. Right. So all my kids know that we're good, like, like why we can afford things. And some things cost money and some things cost less money. And so I, I, I try to do that, but really I'll, so today when I take them to Cheesecake Factory, I may, I don't always, I, I don't do this normally, but I turned over the bill and I showed him how much it costs. I let him read it to show him how much each thing cost. And then I showed him, um, how I was giving her my, my debit card and I was explaining that she's going to run that and bring it back. It's going to come out of my bank account. These are things that like, you're like, why did you have to explain that to him? Because we assume they understand things, but no, we don't ever say it. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to say that things are left on set. So I was explaining the process when it came back, I was showing him the slip and I was like, 
So this is a tip and this is what she gets. And, yada, yada, yada. and I was telling him, I was like, listen, if you go somewhere, you sit down to eat and you don't tip, you're a bum bitch. Okay. Don't be a bum bitch. I don't want you to be a bum bitch. I can't be associated with no bum bitches because if you out here supporting bum bitches and you a bum bitch too. Uh, and I was explaining to him why I tip because everyone has to pay their bills here. And the lady came, she brought what we needed. She answered questions. She was nice to us. She made sure we got fed and she only gets paid $2 and some change an hour. I don't know what waitress minimum wage is right now, but I know it's only $2 and some change an hour. And I told him, I was like, you know, if something were to happen, I would talk to a manager I would, uh, like make, makes advocate for myself, but I probably still wouldn't leave her without giving her a tip because I'm not a bum bitch. All right. Somebody has got to do some terrible shit to me for me not to tip them. Like some real fucking, t- not just my food was late. Not like, you know, so I'm explaining to him how much to tip and stuff. And we're just talking about that. And we're also talking about how, about love today. Like, uh, we talked about bio parent stuff. We talked about just little things. Um, you know, he can't remember what his bio mother's face looks like. And I was telling him, I was like, go get your life book that I made for you. Cause it has all these pictures of your bio family, your bio siblings and your, all the different foster families you live with. And then when you're getting adopted and this family and stuff. And, you know, we talked a lot about like, how much he was obviously loved. And he told he told me that, because I had been having a conversation with this, like Cheeks and Turtle are biologically related. So, you know, I'd been having some conversation with Cheeks about like, because Cheeks, I don't know where he gets this from, because we don't talk, because I don't know who said, like, they go to school, they talk to other kids, and, but he was, but this isn't how we talk in our house. I recently did Babies Behind Bars with uh, Liz on the Liz Explains uh, Patreon um, podcast. I enjoyed it. I had a really great time. It was a good story. Um, it was a good. It was a good show. But I kept reiterating that it's obvious these pe- these women love their children because it's very hard not to love your children. It's hard. Maybe you don't love them the way they should be, but you love them. And I was explaining about how, like, people will talk about my kids' bio parents as if, like, they're pieces of shit. And, like, listen, mistakes were made. Some big, some small, but mistakes were made. That doesn't mean I didn't love the fucking kids. My kids are so lovable. They're so fucking cute. They're great. And today, so I was talking to, I Cheek said, come, he said something to me, like, he thinks that maybe the reason that he ended up in foster care is because they didn't love him. And we had a great conversation about how I am sure that his bio parents loved him and how when he came to our home as a foster kid, I was like, I don't even know these kids at all. And Mr. Curtis was like, these are my sons and we, they're going to be with us. And we laughed about that. And we laughed about the time Mr. Curtis came home from work in the middle of the fucking night and thought the boys were gone and woke me up and told me the boys were gone. And I ran down the hallway and these motherfuckers were in their bed and Mr. Curtis needs glasses and how he was so worried that they, that they, that the caseworker come and taken them. And we talked about how, what my mother said the first time she saw a picture of them and like we talked about how loved they are, how people 
want, and today I was talking to Turtle about it as well. But the reason I'm bringing this up, I'm kind of rambling, but the reason I'm bringing this up is that there is a base level, I want my kids to understand that they're loved. That not about, not because of what you do, not because of how cute you are, but at the base level, you are loved unconditionally. Now, I didn't always believe in unconditional love, but then someone said something like, um, love is, can be unconditional relationships are not. And that was like, Oh, that's what I meant. I used to say there's no such thing as unconditional love because like, how can love be unconditional? You don't stay with someone who treats you badly. You can't stay like, but no, you can love unconditionally. It's possible, but the relationships always have conditions. That's just how relationships are. And so we were talking about love today and I just, I just really want and, and then also thinking about the Valentine's Day stuff, how I want to pour love into my children. I want them to feel it. I want them to feel love, guys. Um, but not, you got to fight for it. It's, my love is like, my love is unconditional. I will always love them. I might have to set boundaries and I might have to take step backs and I might have to love you from afar, but I will always fucking love them. And then you don't need to do anything to get it. Like, that's how dangerous Laura's dad's love and approval are conditional only if your room is clean only if you won only if you don't embarrass me only if you don't make me talk about this terrible thing that's happening to you and if you do and if any of those things happen then I'm, I'm I, I don't feel like dealing with you I don't want to be around you and I don't love you and that's I mean that's you know that's what's going on there Ayanna says that he needs to acknowledge how she got that way and to help her. They tell a story about how he would come home at night and if something wasn't cleaned or something, he would get the kids out of the bed and make them do it. He said he did that because he paid bills and it didn't matter whether he was there or not. And of course he doesn't know he just fell in Ayanna's trap because what does she say next? She says, well, Gilbert's not there and he pays all the bills and so he can say whatever he wants and do whatever he wants. She said that the dad created it and taught her that. Um, by the way, guys, I definitely grew up in a house where my parents would come home late and, uh, if we had eaten food we weren't supposed to eat, um, we had left the living room dirty or the kitchen dirty, that they definitely woke you up to do it. And also it was nothing for someone to beat you out of your sleep. I actually, this didn't happen to me very often. Like the truth is my parents, in terms of spanking, there were many threats of spanking and very, and, but they could hit me. It was like, I was never going to be like shocked if they hit me because they did. But I never had like somebody beat me out of my sleep. I did have people wake me up and tell me I better get up and do this right now. And, and like, I am anti this, right? Um, sometimes Mr. Curtis is like, I told blah, blah, blah to do so-and-so and they didn't do it and they better get up right No, no. This is not an emergency. This is not that sort of thing. Now, when we wake up in the morning, are you going to, Could it's a school day, so they got to get up at a certain time. It's fine to wake them up 20 minutes early and be like, hey, uh, you know, this was your responsibility yesterday. And it's the first thing you're going to do today. Because it doesn't go away when you stop looking at it. It's still your responsibility. And that's fine. That's, that is teaching natural consequences. You didn't do it yesterday and now you're tired and you still got to do it. But I'm not waking people up. I'm not screaming people out of their sleep. I'm not 
I'm certainly not going to hit anybody out of their sleep. My brother definitely got beaten out of his sleep a couple of times. But, and we didn't really have chores like that. It was more like, why would you leave this place like this? My, my parents were really big like, you need to clean up after yourself. All the time. And if you don't clean up after yourself, then like, who the fuck's going to do it? So, but yeah, like she tells us like, yeah. And you could do whatever you wanted, whether or not you came home late or not, whether you was there, whether they better happen because you pay the bills here. And and that's kind of what's going on with Gilbert. In the next scene, it's time for the props. Ayanla does her carrot top impression and brings out the props. She has Laura make the nastiest cake on earth. She she basically like starts adding things like ketchup and sardines and eggshells and it doesn't smell too good and Basically, the idea is that she tells Laura that her life is fucked up like that. There's all this shit in it. But you make it look good. But it's still a nasty cake. Um, She tells her, your kids don't have to go to private school. You don't have to have a makeup artist. What you have to do is be clear about who you are and the vision that you're trying to create for yourself. And create those next steps in your life because you're trying to turn your life around from a place of power and authenticity. She's right. She's right. That's what, that's what you have to do. None of this shit is, none of those other shit is, is required. And Laura says she has to take off these lashes and hair and go get a real job and make no mistake. She will. And Ayala says, then do it. And then she shows the cake, which could have looked nastier, but still. And the point is, whether you want to be out here serving something that's gross on the inside but looks pretty. Like, when she put that ketchup in there, Laura was like, I don't even like ketchup. She's like, you don't like being lonely either, but it's in there. Laura says she's not going to eat it. And Ayanla says, you've been eating it. And I'm like, damn. This is, she's right. You've been eating it. You've been eating that nasty cake. As she leaves, Ayanla tells Laura to come in and looking like somebody's mother tomorrow and not a reality TV star. Oh, Ayanla, what the fuck? What's a mother look like, Ayanla? Ayanla is an old lady, guys. I She's so old school with this shit. Look like somebody's mother. And not a... Girl. The next day, Laura shows up in a jumpsuit and heels with a top knot and she says that she was offended by Ayanla saying that she needed to look like a mother. At this point, she has an accessory line. Part of the reason she came on the show is to promote her accessory line. That's why she has these big earrings and shit on. Those are her accessories. She says that she the accessory line is her job. She has one. She is a mother. She doesn't need to take off the earrings. She wants to sell to be a good mother. She wants them to play the tape back. She thinks Ayanla told her to get a job, which did not happen. Didn't happen at all. And Ayanla says... <laughs> I'm really enjoying myself watching. I was really enjoying myself watching because she says, I just want you to know I'm not the one, baby. And I'm like, I am a, why are you saying that? Like you about to fucking snatch her up. You are not going to fight this lady. You are not going to do it. She says that Laura is always ready to fight. She tells Laura she doesn't have to defend herself. She says her life's not working. She's not here to fight with her and offend her. She loves her enough to tell her she doesn't communicate clearly. She does. She loves her enough to tell her she doesn't know who she is. She loves her enough to say she doesn't have the image of someone who is clear about what she wants. These are truths. I don't know if Ayanna loves her, okay? 
You don't even know her, but you don't communicate clear. You don't, you, you, you don't seem to know who you are. You don't have the image of somebody who's clear about what you want. Laura says she believes Gilbert is trying to drown her by withholding money so he can then take the kids away from her. And Ayanla asks again about getting out of the ring. She says that if she tries to play by Gilbert's rules, she will lose. Gilbert has money. He has access. Um, even like in the court of public opinion, people, like when I was on Lipstick Alley, people hate Laura Gloria. They hate her. Um, they think of her as a gold digger, as somebody who, who was with Gilbert for money. Even today, like, okay, so I keep talking about the Potomac, but that's because that's what's winding up right now. That's what I've been watching. Even today, um, it came out that the Ashley's, uh, from the Red House of Potomac, her prenup, like, was bullshit, okay? Like, she signed a prenup without a lawyer without even really reading it. And she doesn't even get alimony. She's getting child support for those kids, but that's it. She, and all the assets he had are assets for, that he had before her. And any decent prenup would tell, would say that he keeps her, his assets before her. And so if he doesn't, he doesn't have any alimony. So she's basically just living off a of child support. And I mean, also she's been on this fucking show for seven years. So, but I figured that, I mean, I listen, the first season where her and Michael get into a fight, he tells her he's about to close that kangaroo court uh, restaurant if she don't do what he tell him to do. He's talking to her like she's a fucking child. But she was, she was a child. She was like, 22 23 years old when they got together and they got married and he took advantage of her and embarrassed her and did all kinds of shit to her and now they're broken up and and she realized she signed a bad deal i remember her talking about that fucking prenup then the prenup got it kind of expired there's a prenup for after they've been married for like five years or something like that and remember they were about to break up and when they got it together, she re-signed another, like, <sighs> but I was looking at the comments on it because, you know, a lot of people don't like Ashley and I'm one of them. Listen, I hate Julia on Real Housewives of Miami and Ashley's my number two. I do not like Ashley. I don't like her. She acts like her shit don't fucking stink and I can smell you from fucking here, Ashley. I can smell you. You think that your proximity to whiteness and wealth makes it so that you don't have to be held accountable for your actions. You are a messy bitch who loves drama. And I would love to love that. But when it comes to your shit, suddenly you need privacy. I cannot stand a fucking hypocrite. I cannot stand a fucking hypocrite. Um, Which I don't know how I watch reality TV at all then. But still... But I'm looking at it, and there's a lot of people dragging Ashley for being stupid, okay? Or fine. She was fucking 23 years old, though. But other people are like, yeah, because she was trying to trick Michael and get his money, and little did she know. I'm like, guys, why do you act like Michael didn't get more out of it than Ashley did? He certainly did. He got to fuck Ashley. And apparently a bunch of other women too at the same time. Maybe men too. I don't know. Whatever they whatever they fucking do is their business. I don't care. It's like, like I, I it's like the most boring thing is about what you do with other people's genitals. A lot of that's really fucking boring. Um he like the years he took from Ashley 
are worth so much more than some fucking alimony checks. And the same with Gilbert Arenas and Laura Govan. Like I said, everybody thinks she's a gold digger. But the thing is, she got four of his fucking kids. She's been through the ringer. And according to her, the SDT ringer, he's been cheating on her. He's been fucking all these different people. He's been doing all these fucking things. And y'all are acting like he met her three days ago on a bus ride to Vegas. And like, and she tried to get something like, she's, I think she's been 16 years with him. 16 years and four fucking kids, bro. Like, I don't know. Guys, when you marry for money, you earn every fucking penny. I promise you, you're going to earn every fucking penny. And for the most part, I don't know anybody who was so much lower than their partner, married a person that had a lot of money, and they did not earn every bit of their fucking settlement. I don't, name somebody. Name somebody who got off light. I can't think of anybody. And I'd love to hear, but like, the people, they act like Laura Govan met fucking Gilbert Arenas two days ago and is trying to get half, half of his fucking fortune. I just, I don't know, man. Ayanla connects the fa- Ayanla connects the fact that Laura gave herself to Gilbert over and over again, and he's trying to drag her through the courts to to the fact that she was raped by that person. And Ayanla tells her to let it go, and and she's like, "You won't lose your kids. You, he doesn't want them. What he wants is to fight with you about the kids." And the fight's not about the kids either. It's about taking you down. Let go so he won't do it. Laura starts to cry and says she feels guilty about not being able to let go. And she just wants the drama to be over. The headlines, the image she wants to start over. Ayanla tells her that she can't do it with the tools she, that she's brought there. The tools she's been given. She's enough without the lashes and the accessories. And she makes Laura repeat that she is enough. By the way, guys, let me tell you who is not enough without the lashes. Princess Jones Curtis. Guys, you know I, I don't grow hair at all. I could go I can go seven years off without uh shaving my legs. Not a problem. Not a fucking problem. I don't grow hair. And like my eyebrows will be like, oh you've you've girl, this is how my eyebrows grow in. This is how they grow in. I am not I don't I don't have any fucking eyebrows. Um and no, I didn't over tweeze them in the early aughts or some shit like that. I, I never I don't I don't have any I don't grow hair. Um and so I just never had like long luscious. I, my, my eyelids are bald. And so I started getting eyelash extensions and what I suspected is true. The only thing keeping me from being extremely hot were eyelashes. And so, and also keep in mind that eyelashes I get are not like I was getting, were not like going to the club eyelashes, but like they were like, prosthetics <laughs> I they looked incredibly natural and I really that's what I wanted but you know the eyelash extensions eventually damage your eyelash I mean I barely had any to begin with and and also I figured I could do it like more efficiently and cheaper at home so I started using I started doing DIY at like using the clusters the eyelash clusters I got the lashify system it seemed the easiest it was the easiest I loved them and it also changes the fact, like, so when I had eyelashes extension, I couldn't, like, you know how sometimes you just want to rub the fuck out of your eye? I couldn't do that ever, right? 
unless I was about to go in and get a, uh, a refill. So what I decided was I like being, I like being able to wear eyelashes for a week and then take them off. You know what I mean? And like really rub my fucking eyes. Like, especially when Cedar Fever hits fucking Austin and my girl, I will, I can't wait to rub my eyes. So, um, I started there and the system's really great. I like it a lot. I like their glue and I like their tools. Great. But their eyelashes are kind of expensive and, uh, I mean, they're reusable, but they're, you know. And so like every, what I found going through reviews and going down and going, you know, down the YouTube rabbit hole and TikTok to rabbit holes is that this happens to everybody. They love the system. The CEO's kind of a dick apparently. And also the eyelashes are too expensive. And so they're like the, there's a, there's a glue called bondage that they have. Get that night bond. That's a sealant. Get that. But after you get the hang of this, you can get these lashes for much cheaper elsewhere. So I have been on the hunt. I've tried some things off of Amazon, some different stuff. And so if you like are out there and you use cluster eyelashes extensions and there's something you're happy with, fucking DM me. Tell me what it is. Because even though Lashify is kind of expensive, it's less expensive than me getting lash extensions. So I was paying a hundred and... I think 140 a month. So 120 for the services. So I get two refills a month, right? Every other week I go. And then I tip her $10 every time. So, um, but I have to schedule it. I have to lay down there and I always fall fucking asleep. And, you know, I want something that was a little more versatile and that I can... If I just don't, if I just don't feel like wearing lashes for a little bit, I don't have to. And so that's what I, you know, so please DM me if you, as you, if you do your own cluster lashes, keep in mind, I am not a hot girl. I am an employed girl. So I usually keep them to like 10. So I, I do like 10 millimeters and then 12s and maybe 114 if I'm like trying to get fancy, but like 10 millimeters. 10 millimeters and 12s. That's what I usually use. So just to keep an idea of like what I'm working with, it's, I really like a natural look. I just like, I do, it's a bit full, but I like it natural looking. No one believes that I have eyelashes. So, but still, so if you know that DM me, DM me, DM me. Anyway, uh, in the next scene, the parents are back and Ayanla shows ends up showing Laura the footage where she did not tell her to go out and get a real job that Laura said she would go out and get a real job. Um, Laura has to admit that she sees that she says she doesn't want to be seen as a liar. Ayala says that when she's in the ring, she's fighting for what people mean rather than what they're saying. And again, a waste of your energy, a waste of your time. Get out of the ring. You do not have to show up to every fight you're invited to. Um, she brings the dad over. Laura clarifies that the molestation was a rape, not a fondle. And she said that she gave examples of Gilbert sleeping with her sister and they refused to believe. Laura tells her dad that she wants to be protected and supported. They bring the cake out. It looks good. But then Laura tells him what's in the cake and it's disgusting. Also, there is something big and lumpy under the rug in front of them. And Ayala says, how come nobody asked about what's underneath this rug? And the dad says he doesn't want to know. 
He finally picks it up, the rug up, and it's a basketball and some toys and shit. Ayanla says they got to figure out a way to clean this shit up. She doesn't know she, and that Laura doesn't have to do it alone. But it's symbolic. Again, it's the props of like, y'all hide shit under the rug. And you got to stop doing that. It ends with the dad saying he's gonna get out. He's gonna get on the yellow brick road to find his heart and be more compassionate. I was like, is that a more metaphor for my own love? She loves to say shit like that. She love. She love. Did she tell you to say that? She told you to say that. Okay. Ayanla gives him a lavish praise for the fucking bare minimum. <laughs> She's like, oh, you changed, man. I'm like, all he said was that he was gonna try to be more passionate and compassionate. She then makes them say they love each other and the dad apologized to Laura by parroting what she says line by line. Like she pushes them with the lawyer and is like, tell her you're sorry. And he's like, I'm sorry. She's like, for this reason. He, like he's just repeating what she's saying. They end with Ayanla saying that they have to eat this elephant one bite at a time. You, But you don't have to start at the butt. Ayanla is so corny and I am such a corny girl that I love that <laughs> Like, how do you do anything? I say that all the time to, like, my teammates and when they're, even Cheeks, when they're complaining about, this is going to be so long. How do you do anything? Big, you started one bite. It's the same way you eat elephant, one bite at the fucking time. And now I'm going to add, but at least we don't have to start at the butt. <laughs> she says you do one bite of clarity, one bite of truth, one bite of boundaries, one bite of hearing what you don't want to hear and saying what you don't want to say and by just letting go. You 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 really fought for that metaphor, but okay. The update at the end says that Laura is working on not being perfect and having a decent co-parent relation with Gilbert, and she is now no longer speaking to her parents. <laughs> so I gotta ask you, did I Ayanla fix any lives? <laughs> Probably not, because because after this is when uh Gilbert and her were fighting, because because apparently. It came out that she was fucking Vince. Gilbert was like, well, during the court records, I got all your banking statements, so I see all the wires in and who they're from and the account numbers, and that's all I'm going to say. Basically implying that Vince has been giving Laura money. I don't know. I don't know whatever came of that. I don't think anything came of it. But that happened afterwards, so I really don't see much of a change of anything, to be completely honest. She ain't talking to her mama and daddy, which might be good for her. Like, I, I don't... I'm not one of those people that's like, when someone's like, I can't, I'm going no contact with my mom. Be like, that's your mother. You need to speak. I don't know what the fuck your mother did. (laughs) Maybe, maybe keeping some space from her is going to like fucking change your life. Maybe. I'm just not one of those people. Like on Real Housewives of Miami right now, Nicole is like not fucking with her dad. And everybody on the show is like, you have to forgive him. He's your father. I'm like, I would say this. You have to find a way to forgive him for yourself. So you don't have to carry around the presentment so heavy. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to carry that shit around with you. You have to get to a point where you're like, listen, he did what he did. A lot of that wasn't about me. It was about him. It was about his ego. It was about everything he wanted to do and not do. It wasn't about me. I was a by. I was a bystander. I'm sure he loved me, but he did. But his best was not fucking good enough. And I got hit by a lot of shit that he didn't think I was gonna get hit by. Maybe, maybe if he knew I would be affected by it, he wouldn't have done it. But we'll never know. That that's the type of forgiveness I'm talking about. Like just being like that's the ability to be like. 
I'm good on that. Let's move forward. So maybe she should forget, find a way to like, just let, so maybe the, the proper words are let it go. Like, let that go. Don't carry that with you. Call a thing a thing and let the shit go. But does she have that relationship with that man? No, the fuck she don't. No, the fuck she don't. Why do y'all keep saying she does? And then Alexia's like, well, my father died. And then my mother died. And da da da, da. Girl, what the fuck that got to do with me? Because your mama died, I got to be... <laughs> like, girl, get out of my business. Like, we're not talking about you. We're talking about my trash-ass daddy. And listen, does Nicole's dad seem fun? Yeah. <laughs> he was at that party drinking, taking shots and talking shit. Like, yeah. If I was, I'd be like, yeah, Nicole's daddy, get it. But not if he was my daddy. I understand Nicole, Nicole, Nicole does not have to forgive that man. She ain't got to talk to him. Her son ain't got to talk to him. None of that. She ain't got to accept his new girlfriend who's probably her fucking age. She ain't, she ain't got to do none of that. Y'all leave her alone. So if Laura isn't speaking to her parents, I mean, maybe she got a good fucking reason. I don't fucking know. But when it comes to Ayanla's track record, I think that we are four for, I think we are zero for four, babe. I don't think you fixed anyone's lives and we're halfway through the fucking season, this season of Black Pumpkin. Hmm. I don't know, Ayanla. Maybe we should reevaluate. Anyway, guys, I will see you next week.